We're continuing this morning in a sermon series entitled, Awesome, The Names and Nature of Jesus. And we've been going through the book of Hebrews to see that. Uh, we've looked at the first section of Hebrews, and we saw the, the majesty of the person of Christ, as well as the disobedience of the people. And then that long section from f- middle of 4 through 10 that talks of the majesty of Christ's work, the high priesthood of Jesus. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about the faithfulness of God's people, that we're called to, to have the joy that Christ had. And now this last section, which is the last chapter of Hebrews. What do we see here of who Jesus is, but also who, who we are to be? And Renee was right on the money. We see the mission in the heart of Christ here. We see his heart that, that, that is to go outside the camp for us. As Hebrews says elsewhere, he died once for all. Here we're reminded in our, in our passage today, verse 12, that the old sacrifices were not enough, that we needed a Savior, and Jesus Christ went outside the gate to suffer for our salvation. Like the sacrifices that were burned outside the camp, he went outside the gate. Jesus died for us outside the city of Jerusalem. That, that dirty execution can't happen inside the holy city and so take that criminal and those like him outside the spotless the righteous the obedient christ that we talked about two weeks ago had to go outside his city to suffer for us and for our sins so that going back to chapter two he might bring his children to glory that's a great reminder of his greatness and his love for us. But, but some commentators say there's even more to that. That not only did he go outside the, the camp, outside the city for us, but we go to him to bear his, his reproach. We're to follow that example. It's a reminder that Jesus always went outside to seek and to reach the lost. This past week, uh, Thursday night, we had Dr. K- Gary Cockrell back with us, and he was taking us through three or four chapters in the book of Mark. But that's how, that's how Mark starts. You go to chapter 1, verse 38, and I can't be settled here. I have come to preach and to teach and to free people. I've got to go to other cities. You just see that that's the heart of Jesus from the very get-go. This isn't just for us. And some people think, not only is, are the warnings in Hebrews for a people who might have been fearful to shrink back, or people maybe who might have mixed their faith, but maybe it was to isolating Christians. You've got to get outside the walls. You've got to get outside the camp. This is what our Savior did for us. He loved us so much, he went outside the gates. If you are going to follow Christ, you've got to follow him outside the gates. And you watch his life. Thursday night, we spent a lot of time when he went to, and this is what Jesus always does. He goes to the other side of the lake. And he goes to that place that there's just all kinds of evil and paganism. It really should be. Every time he goes to the other side of the lake, you should hear the music of the evil empire of Star Wars, right? He's stepping on, dum, dum, da, da. You should see that because the, the, the picture there, is not just a madman who's possessed, but he's running through a cemetery doing all kinds of terrible things. And then you find out later he's not just possessed by one, but by legion. And then you see pigs, which again, uh, somebody who, who worshiped the one true God, you wouldn't have any association. It's evil and paganism 
everywhere. And Jesus says, let's go to that other side yet again. And you just watch him in John's gospel, taking his disciples not around Samaria, which he could have done. The Jews built a road to go around. He had to go through Samaria. Later in the book of Mark, let's go up to Caesarea Philippi, to that mountain filled with all kinds of perversity and idolatry. He's always going to the other side. He's always going outside the gate. First and foremost, to win salvation, yes. But to remind us again, as Bishop Sharma Lewis said in her first sermon to us, to take the gospel, to take Jesus to the streets. That's our call. What's your next step in that? What's your next step at, at, in, at home, uh, at the gym, at the ball field, at work? What's your next step to put into practice these exhortations from chapter 13? As he has gone outside the gate, how is it you and I, and we'll, let's start at verse 1, how is it you and I can do that? What's our next step? This first reminder in chapter 1 is to have love for one another. Will's wonderfully reminded of the, us of that throughout this season. It's got to be love for one another. I grew up outside of Philadelphia. That's the word here. I know. I know. There's not going to be much love for the Niners today. That's all I can tell you. Philadelphia's a rough and tough town. They used to throw, put batteries and snowballs and throw that at the opposing teams and ping them off the helmets, right? That's not Philadelphia. Philly, love. Delphi, the brothers, there always has to be. The mark of the church is love for one another. Paul would say to the, to the church in Rome, in honor, prefer one another. First, uh, first Peter, or Peter says, godliness leads to brotherly kindness, which leads to love. In any season, especially in this season, there has to be the love of Christ for one another. Now listen, ultimately we get that, look at verse 6. We get that in Christ. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. He is our helper. Before we run to anyone or anything, it's got to be Jesus first. But this author knows what we, that we need each other as well. One of you gave my wife a book uh, to read. And in that book, there's a quote there of somebody going through it, whatever it might be. And she talks about the importance of the love of the, of the church. That there are days when all of us have days of hurt or disappointment or grief, anger, whatever that struggle is. But I love this quote from that book. It says, I show up at church sometimes with whatever I'm going through, and you can name it, a hurt, a grief, anger, whatever. I show up at church with whatever, and I'm counting on you to sing for me. There are days when it may be hard to sing. There are days when we're going through it. And how critical it is then for us to be the body of Christ for each other. And to look out for one another. John Calvin would say that nothing evaporates more easily than love. When everybody's looking after himself. The missional Jesus always was looking to the will of his Father. And as we see here in our, one of our chapters earlier, he looked to the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, looking to others. It's a great reminder. This past Monday when the Administrative Council met, I was, I was pleased by the love and the tenor and tone of that meeting. 
The next day is a hard day when we're letting our church know about what's going on. We, let the, we send out that communication. I literally went from that moment to our church celebrating a Habitat rebuild and got to be a part of that for a woman who's older, retired, has medical issues, and to stand there and to know that our church partnered with other churches for her. It was such a sweet moment. I get back from that meeting. I get settled after lunch, and then Renee and I are on the phone talking about today and partnering of standing along people in desperate need and being the church uh, to them. I go back to have supper before a meeting that night, and there's an envelope waiting on me with money in it from one of our Sunday school classes, but we also support them uh, it, it, through our church budget of missionaries to Azerbaijan that every day not only risk their lives in a country that's more than 95% Muslim, not only risk their lives, but here's the kicker, risk their children's lives. And by the way, Gary Cocker, who was with us Thursday, Kate's his daughter. His daughter is on that field. Every day, and yet they're having an underground church meeting. And at Christmas, 30 to 40 people came to that house meeting to hear the gospel. And so you all continue to support that. I go to the outreach team meeting later that night and to hear more than I've ever heard about not only all the ministries that we're doing, but we kind of centered in on Canton and how we can be better about our connection to Hispanic ministry. Then to finally go home after the end of a long day and Going to bed, it's been a long day, and one of y'all wake me up with a text. And I'm afraid it's going to be some preacher joke. What are you te- Or I'm afraid it's going to, you know. Hey, let me tell you about the next Delta Grace trip we're going to have. You can wake me up with that anytime. Let's talk about it, about going to the Delta and being the hands and feet of Christ. That was a good day after a hard day to be reminded again this is what love does. It loves one another well, but then that love for one another has to spill out to others. The focus is others. That is who we have to be. Love for the brethren and love for others. And that's the word here, not just Philadelphia, love for the brothers, but Philly and another Greek word, Zeno, which means love for those who are, who are outside these walls. The founder of Salvation Army, William Booth, said, put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its wail for help. Then look Christ in the face and join in the march to publish his mercy to the world. And that's what you see here in these verses. To those who are strangers, to those who are prisoners, to those who are ill-treated. How important it is for us to, to go outside the gate, to practice hospitality. That word that, look, there was no place to go. We talk about that at Christmas somewhat. The, the ends of that day were marked by immorality. They were high-priced, and there was no kind of hygiene there. Church, you've got to be the church for brothers who are being ill-treated, for those who are on the run, for those who might need hospitality. How is it you and I can be church and allow the hospitality of Christ who's been so good to us to flow not just out of our friendliness, but even out of our homes? How can your home be a place where Christ is met? This past week, one of our church members started a Bible study uh, for musicians, even bass players like me. Uh, They're even even letting them in there. Uh, Had 10 people, I think, this week, secular musicians. And I saw on Facebook what one of those musicians said after leaving that Bible study. I just left the most amazing Bible study. 
My soul feels 10 pounds lighter. I needed that tonight more than I've needed anything. Thank you to whoever that was and his wife for hosting us and to everyone who came. We were all secular musicians just coming together for the word. We cannot neglect hospitality. I know we're pushed and pressed and have time commitments and are spent, but the world craves it. We've received it in Christ. Let us brainstorm to see, Lord, how would you have us go outside the gate and to welcome people in? Verse 16, don't neglect the prisoner. Don't neglect doing good or sharing, but also back to verse 2 and 3, the prisoner. Again, um, I love how that's the heart of John Wesley's early ministry, Francis Asbury's early Methodist ministry in, in, uh, in America, how our church has ministries to those in prison, to those out of prison. I could just count. Not one, not two, three. There are just so many ways that this church has been faithful to do that. Through prayer, through giving, through meals, through uh, uh, Kairos uh, ministries. How is it you and I can be spent in doing that? I, I may have shared this uh, story before. I didn't have it in my notes, but I'll share it just one more time. One of my last churches, I was in and out of jail ministry because of one of the families in our church had, had a son who was in and out of jail, and I was routinely going to meet him and walk with him, and, and that family not only was devastated by that, but just like the devil who loves to shame people who are going through things, they felt shame. And sometimes even felt like, can I go to church because my, my, my child is wrestling with this. That's the place you need to be for the love of the brethren in that time. But eventually the Lord not only drew them to the church, but she allowed, I love this. She, just like Joseph in Genesis or Paul in Romans, she allowed God to work good out of her pain. She allowed God to have her pain and her hurt and her shame. And not only did she begin to visit prisons and she began a Bible study in that jail. And the Lord used it to the point that one of the women asked, could you bring communion to us? The woman who asked that had done something horrific I won't talk about. But as our choir sang this morning, Jesus died so the guilty might be free. Uh, so I was able to go in and certainly share the truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. We shared the truth that we are all, every last one of us, whether it's the Psalms or Romans, there's none righteous, not even one. We have all fallen short of, 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 of God, right? The wages of sin is death. We, but then to offer the grace of Christ and for her to receive communion. And a week later, she was gone. I don't know if it's a stroke. I don't know if it's a heart attack. But to have met Jesus in that room because one mom said, I'm not going to allow my hurt, my shame to keep me from being the hands and feet of Christ. Hospitality to the, to the, to the prisons, to those who are ill-treated. There's so much more here. We don't have time. I want to make sure you have time uh, with Renee here. If I've missed some things here, and, there, and I may come back to it next week, uh, we'll get to that. But just a reminder to us all, in this season, how critical it is for the love of the brethren to continue. But also to say, Lord, may your Holy Spirit, may your word, may somebody in my life prompt me. You went outside the gate for me. Where are those places that I need to take you, that they can meet you? What's your next step in that? May that be our, may that be our prayer and our commitment 
today. It's hymn 568, Christ for the world we sing. Let's stand together as we respond and as we sing.